This is a podcast by One Life Christian Church in Baldwin, New York. We pray that the following podcast would encourage you, build you up in the gospel, and lead you closer to Jesus. We remind you that these are simply tools to help you in your walk and ask that you still look for a local church to attend and serve in. Welcome to the living room. So any, any baseball fans here? Show of hands. All right, we got a couple. We got a couple. Don't be shy. We're not going to judge you. If you like baseball, you like baseball, all right? So I, I actually started a job, and uh, I don't work for, for baseball. But I, I work for a soccer team now, and I, and I work in, in sales. So my job is to sell experiences, to sell you know, season tickets and things like that. So if you're interested, we could talk later. We could talk business. I'm just kidding. I'll give you that church discount. So I, I, I work for a professional soccer team, and um, we don't have a stadium just yet. So the team is fairly new. It's been around seven, eight years. And so what, we, what the team does is that they play at two iconic baseball stadiums. Uh, the first one is Yankee Stadium. Any Yankee fans? Oof. Very amount of Yankees. You can go ahead and clap for the Yankees. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not a baseball fan. Any Mets fans? Okay, we got more Yankees than Mets. So, um, so... We play at both of these stadiums, at Yankee Stadium and City Field. And I, I get the honor of, like, the, the privilege, let's say, of walking around through the ins and outs, the tunnels, the backstage, the suites, and all this stuff. And, and when I walk around Yankee Stadium, there's one thing that, that catches my mind. And, and it's like I look around, and I see a bunch of pictures of championships, of, of, of iconic players like Babe Ruth, which I only know because of The Sandlot, my favorite movie. And, like, you see all these different titles, and you, you see these celebrations, and these interviews, and these newspaper ads, and all this stuff of when they've won. But when I walk around City Field, I don't see any of that. <laughs> you Yankee fans like that one way too much. See, so if you're not a baseball fan like me, I did some homework for you guys. And, and for those who don't know, the Yankees have won 27 World Series championships. It's a lot. Oh, you guys are excited today. But the Mets have only won two World Series championships. So I ask you all this morning, which team has a greater legacy? The Yankees. Come on, guys. I gave you the answer. The Yankees. So on this Father's Day, I do want to talk about that. I want to talk about legacy. Not the Yankees, not the Mets, but about legacy. If you could turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verse 11, that'd be awesome. And if you don't have a Bible, there is a Bible in the seat in front, underneath the seat in front of you. Feel free to take that. That's a gift from us. Um, and we're going to also have the scripture on the screen, but I purposely made the font really small, so you guys have to look at a Bible. And you guys go ahead and say amen when you're there. Amen. We're there? Awesome. And it says, this is Jesus speaking. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, 
a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will rise, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robes and put it on him and put a ring on his hand. Not a Yankees championship ring, just a regular ring. And shoes in his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father came, uh, sorry, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, uh, uh, he said, uh, he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this, when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf of him, and he said to him, son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Amen. Amen. Now, before we go in, I'd like to look at the definition of the word prodigal. So it says, spending money or resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant. In this parable, Jesus is talking, as he started in Luke chapter 15, the, the verses before, he's talking about repentance he's talking about redemption and he's talking about salvation he's talking about stories that symbolize our turning from sin to Jesus there are three main characters in the story it's the younger sibling the younger son the older son and the and the father we see the prodigal son right why is he called a prodigal son? Because he recklessly wasted everything that his father had given him. So we're going to dive into three things this morning that I want to point out in this message that we might have missed already. The first one is that the son understood what he had. That is led by a prodigal heart. Have you ever, you know wondered how you, you're stewarding your life, how you're stewarding your finances, your family, your spouse, your children, your health, and the list goes on. Have you had a prodigal heart when it comes to those things? This morning I ask you, have you allowed your heart's recklessness lead you 
to waste what God has given you. I know that I have many times. You see, the prodigal son takes what he knows is his. And in the moment, he says, Dad, give me everything that belongs to me, his inheritance, which you only get once what? Someone passes away. He said, Dad, give me what you have. He pretty much said, Dad, I don't care if you're alive anymore. You're dead to me. And he goes and he leaves and he squanders everything away. And he finds himself like many of us find ourselves at times when we take what God has given us and wasted it. All led through a prodigal heart. See, by our own will and strength, church, we will always fall short in sin. See, this, the heart of the prodigal son led him to lose everything that was given to him. He never earned it. He took what was his, left, because he thought that was what made sense. Church, everything you have belongs to God. Yeah. Don't for a second foolishly think or believe in your heart that what I have is because I earned it, because I deserve it. Did you work for it? Yes. Then who allowed you to work that day? Who allows you to be here in this morning breathing? Do you think about breathing? God designed it that way. Have you ever thought about breathing? You stop breathing? <laughs> Isn't that funny? I'm like, <laughs> why am I drowning right now? Why am I suffocating? Everything you have belongs to God. You see, and in this parable, the son forgets that. He believes that he has earned his inheritance and runs away. And in the moment he squanders everything away, where we've been, I'm sure many of us have been there, we squandered everything God has given us, provision, family, friendships. He's sitting and he's feeding these pigs. And if we're not careful, we'll be feeding pigs as well. That's a fair warning. It may look different. Has anybody fed pigs? Yeah, me either. Oh, someone back there? All right, Eric. How was it? <laughs> different. Yeah, so we have to be careful how we steward what God gives us and be careful with our hearts leading us the wrong way. Verse 14, if you're with me, and it says, And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread that I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Here he is, the bottom of the bottom, and he's preparing a speech to let his dad know I messed up. We all mess up. The one thing I do admire is that he didn't blame anyone. You see, Proverbs 19.3 says, When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. How many of us don't mess up and blame someone else? How many of us don't say, well, God, you put me in this situation. Oh, but they, they, they got me angry. He cut me off. 
and we blame people for our wrongdoing, for our sin. Many times I've come to God and I said, God, why did you allow this to happen? God, God, why am I in this situation? And if I'm honest with myself, it's probably my fault. Most likely my fault. Many times we look to blame other people for our sinful nature, for being led by the prodigal heart that we allow to be created in us. Then the prodigal son said, you know what? I've had better living. The hired help at my father's house eats better than, than I am right now. I have nothing. And with his father, he had everything. Isn't that something? Many times we as believers or as someone that, you know, that's walking a Christian life, we take what God has given us, the blessings that God has given us, the freedom that God has given us, and we run and squander it on things of the world. But all of a sudden, the prodigal came to the realization, I messed up, devised a plan, prepared a speech, and he gets ready. He starts to prepare himself and say, you know what, I'm going to go back to my father. He realized in that moment that he couldn't do it on his own. Church, I can't do it on my own. I don't know about you. I've tried and I've failed time and time again. The only time things go right is when I put it in, in God's hands, in God's will. You know, some of us are seasoned saints. We've been in and out of church. We've seen it happen. The moment you step out, you're with the pigs. I've had friendships, met their wife in church. A month later after they're married, leave church. Why? Come on, dude, get, get it together. I've had people pray, God, I need a job. Gets the job. I can't go to church anymore. Why? I got to work. Why? Why are we like that? And that's everyone here in this room. Sometimes we allow our heart, our prodigal heart, to go squander what God has given us to take care of. And in this moment, he realizes, I can't do it on my own, and there's a need for a father. You see, in the moment that he's with the pigs, and he realizes that no one is helping him out, he felt abandoned. He felt, anyone else felt abandoned before? Perhaps by a father, by a friend, by a mother? And the reason why we feel this feeling of abandonment is because of sin. See, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they were walking around. But the moment they sinned, they had to hide. The moment they sinned, they felt fear. The moment they sinned, they felt shame. And all of a sudden, they felt abandoned even because of their wrongdoing. Our satisfaction can only be found in God the Father. If you needed to hear something today, your, your satisfaction, whatever you're longing for this morning, whatever's going in your life, whatever season you're going through, you're only going to find that in God. Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt what? Compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And before he could finish that speech, he probably was practicing the whole way home, right? The whole time, he was probably, God, you know, Father, I, I sinned against you in heaven. Uh, hire me as your help. The father stops him. 
It says, bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him, put on a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf to kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The father did something that perhaps many of us in this room struggle to do. And that's to forgive. Many times in life we've been wronged by family members, we've been wronged by friends, we've been hurt by people of the church. And forgiveness is the last thing we want to give them. We've been hurt by fathers, by mothers, by spouses. And the last thing we ever think about is, I'm going to forgive them for what they did. But Jesus is saying, not God. How many times, church, have we not squandered what he has given us? How many times have we not taken the grace and mercy that we have in Jesus and leave and forget about God? How many times have we allowed our heart to affect our faith? Man, there's people in my life that I've struggled to apologize to. But God called me to do it. There's people in my life that I've struggled to have to forgive. But God's called me to do it. Church, the invitation today is, are you asking for forgiveness and are you forgiving? Don't get in the way of what God is looking to do in your life. One thing I admire with the prodigal son is that he said, you know what? I messed up. He got out of his way, set pride aside, and said, I'm going back to my father. I had it all there. had no reason to, to leave. Some of us need reminding today that you have no reason to leave God's will. And we'll, we'll try. I know I have. Doesn't make sense. I end up eating pit with pigs. Or looking at pigs eat and you're, you're just hanging out. It's a scary thought to think about. Yet the father said to his servants, bring me the best of the best. For my son was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. See, what the father did in that moment is that he created a legacy of forgiveness. See, in the forgiveness that the Father provides, there's restoration. There is rest. I can't imagine being a, a son that just pretty much told my dad, you know, you're dead to me. Took everything that belonged to him and his inheritance that he did not earn and deserve. Run back after I made a mistake and I knew I messed up. And then have a father waiting for me. Because it says the father was looking. He was, you know... Attentive. It wasn't that he was, you know, just doing his day-to-day. -day. He was waiting for his son to return. God is waiting for some of us this morning to return to him and to give you that rest. Have you ever been tired and had a long week and you hug someone and it's just like the moment you hug them, it's like, <sighs> I didn't say this in my first preaching, but I do want to say it now because I'm thinking about it. I remember when Angie and me, we bought our first house. Um, I'm speaking that into existence, you know, one of many. 
And I remember I told people around, and they were really happy. They celebrated my mom, my family, everybody. And I remember I told Senor Juan. Senor Juan's Isaac's dad. And Senor Juan, when he said, when I told him, it was just different. You know, if you know Senor Juan, he's, he, he, Papito Lindo, I'm so proud of you. And when he hugged me, it was like I've never felt that before from like a male figure. He hugged me. He showed love. There was a proudness in him. So, Senor Juan, I honor you with that because, and I told him, I was crying. I was like, Senor, I don't know what was it about the way you looked at me and the way you expressed your joy for me that I've never, I've never experienced something like that. And I can imagine the son right now who messed up, right, who left his house, wasted what his father had given him, set aside for him, runs back, and the first thing that the dad does is, I'm here. Welcome back. And he begins a legacy of forgiveness. See, I believe, church, that if you're a parent, you know, if you're a father, you're a mother, the biggest inheritance you can leave someone is not so much the material stuff, but the values of a Christian household, the teachings of Scripture. And you may say, well, you know, our 401K is not too bad, or, you know, a retirement plan is not too bad. Then nothing meets the value of knowing God. Nothing compares. It's priceless. What God has done for you and for all of us in this room, giving his one and only son, that's the best thing you can leave your child. My mom says that all the time. I don't have much to give you, but what I have, I will. And I'm here because of that. And I want to honor my mom real quick just because, you know, she sacrificed a lot. Raising four boys single, it's not easy, but I know you pray hard. I've heard you pray, sometimes too early. <laughs> but that's the legacy she's choosing to leave behind. Church, we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it, we didn't buy it, but his grace was enough. I don't know about you, but I could relate to the older brother. Any older siblings in the house? Oh, we'll pray extra hard for you guys. It's tough, especially when you have to be the most responsible, when you have to be the, you know, the one that leads and be the example and help out your parents. Verse 25 says, now his older brother was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. I would ask the same thing. What is going on? in this house that there's a party that I live in and I don't know about. And they said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed a fattened calf because he had received him back safe and sound. And just like this older brother, I would have been angry and refused to go in. Upset. Upset. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I'm hearing myself in this passage. I'm, I could, Marlon, this is what you would say. And I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Jesus understood in this moment that there's religious leaders that look at other people sinning 
and finding mercy and grace through Jesus, and they're angry about it. Church, I ask you this morning, are you someone that could celebrate when the lost is found? Or are you someone that's going to point that, well, you know, that person came back and forth, came in and out of church. Oh, he's here for the third time. Let's see if he accepts Christ this time. Or could you be someone that celebrates the fact that someone in your family, the family of God, has come back to the Father? I've been guilty of that. Here we go again. Christmas time. Yep, sounds about right. But who am I? A sinner. Who am I? Someone that doesn't deserve the grace of God, and yet here I am. So I invite you, church, to not look at the sinner, to not look at the sin, to not look at the sinner, but look at God and what he's doing in their life. The two sons in these stories lost something. They lost their identity. The prodigal son who left not knowing what he had and who's the son he was to, right? And the older one, seeing that there was a party happening, didn't realize he had access to everything in the first place. Some of us are Christians in this house and forget that we are children of God. How could that be? My grandma always says, Tú eres hijo de rey de reyes y señor de señores, which translates, you're a son of the king of kings and the lord of lords. And then my grandma fashioned, then she'll point out something I did bad. <laughs> but I love her. But she reminds me, and that, this is the reminder for you today. You are a child of God. If you accepted Jesus, your burden is light. You just got to surrender to him. Many times we forget who we are, and because of that, we do the wrong thing. The father said, son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Don't lose your identity today, church. When you're at home, when you're at work, when you're in church, don't forget who you are. God is with you. God is your father, right? He's the good, good father, the perfect dad. And he gives us the title of his children. So I ask you, can you be a church that celebrates those who were lost and now are found? Could you see the identity of that lost person as a child of God? Can we be a generation just like this father in the parable? That impacts our legacy through forgiveness. There's people in this room today that have yet to forgive. People that have wronged them, whether they're Christians, whether they're family members. And there's people here that have to admit and come to themselves and say, I messed up and ask for forgiveness. I'm going to share a little something with you guys. I hope I don't cry. I already cried the first time. I'm a crybaby though, so. I want to share a bit of my testimony. Um, so some of you guys know already that uh, I grew up without a father, grew up with a single mother. I did have a stepdad. He passed away. Um, but for most of my life, I was raised by a single mother um, who, wearing a fuchsia pink shirt right now, blouse, she worked really hard, sacrificed a lot of time. And um, so for those that are widowed or, or single mothers, um, it's, you know, it's not Mother's Day again, but you guys have done quite a job, so thank you for that. But the thing is that even growing up with such an amazing mom, I 
always long for our father. I always seeing, you know, my classmates or my teammates when there was a soccer game, seeing their dads there, cheering them on. I always wanted a dad to come to my soccer games or teach me things like how to fix stuff, how to build stuff, how to fish. Not that I care to fish anymore. I figured out, you know, it's not for me. Uh, how to talk to girls, whatever it was. But unfortunately, it never happened. And as I started growing up, I started to grow resentment towards a man I never met. Anybody been there? Towards a man I never met. I wanted to blame him for things that didn't have anything to do with him. And then I remember growing up resentment towards my mom. Even though she had sacrificed and raised us, something in me started to grow resentment towards her. And as the oldest brother of four, I remember feeling the pressure of having to do things right, of having to lead by example, of having to be a leader, maturing more than I needed to at the time, being financially responsible, whether it was by helping pay bills or just helping my mom manage things, being a babysitter at 10 years old to save some money. So for many years, I wondered if I was ever going to get a chance to meet this man. You know, and my mom did a great job protecting me, loving me, making sure that if this man ever was to enter my life ever again, that I would know that she was there throughout the years. And I know that very well. And I'm going to read a little bit about it just because I don't want to look at you guys and start crying. But that didn't stop me from trying, right? Human nature to be curious. So I did what I could. I asked my cousin who lived in Honduras at the time, you know, what could you find out from grandma, my uncle that's over there. Angie, my wife, she had a friend that had connections in the town hall of the, of the county, I guess you could say, where my biological father was. And uh, we didn't find anything. All I had was one name, and it was Carlos. And the reason I know this name is because Back when we were in the world, it was after a party, I, I built up the guts to tell my mom, Mom, what is my father's name? She said, Carlos, why? And when she said, why, that's where things ended. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to ask anymore. So we tried looking up records for Carlos. Nothing. In September of 2021, I had been given the opportunity to travel back to Honduras after almost 28 years of not touching Honduran soil. Angie and I were excited to go to Honduras, eat all the food, paliadas, someone can translate that for you later. And it was days before our wedding anniversary, so we had already set some days to escape and go to the beautiful island of Roatan. Highly recommend going. Invite me if you do. And as we set foot off the plane, my grandma said, Noe, so they call me Noe in Spanish, that's my middle name. She says, Noe, I have a surprise for you. Here I'm thinking, it's a whole banquet ready for me. I'm excited, I'm hungry. My wife's thinking, oh, maybe she got us like, you know, one of those nice limo shuttles or something, so, because we had luggages and things like that. Um, and within the first 10 minutes as we were approaching my mom's cousin, Anna, 
actually our ride. And she was driving this little smart car, lime green. They didn't have a trunk. So picture us, you know, four and then luggage is in it. Oh, she was also learning how to drive. <laughs> the car was stick shift. And if you've ever been to a Central American country, not all the roads are paved over here. A lot of potholes, a lot of dirt. Thankfully, we didn't get stuck. Thank God, God knows. But as I'm approaching Anna, I see a man next to her. And here I'm thinking, it's the driver. And he's waiting to pick up our luggage. Very humble looking guy. My grandma goes, Noel, I present to you your father, Carlos. In the moment, my heart dropped, maybe like yours dropped right now. My attitude completely changed. I'm usually a happy guy. Not that moment. And I was so angry, but I wasn't even angry at Carlos. I was angry at my grandma. How dare you, lady? No warning, no heads up, set me up. And I know my grandma did it out of love. I think she knew that I'd been wanting to meet him. So she did some digging, found out where he was, approached him about me, told him that I was coming, and she made it happen. I also feel that she did it to kind of get that doubt out of the way, to get that curiosity out of the way. She figured maybe he's gonna see him, know him, and that's it, they'll stay there. So that's kind of what happened. We went in the car, dropped him off to where he was going to be. It was the most awkward car ride in the world. Think about a small, smart car with luggages, five people. Angie's sitting between me, Carlos is right there, and I'm over here, and Angie's looking at me like, this guy's about to explode. And I didn't. We drop him off and Angie goes, grab his information just in case you want to talk to him. I said, you know what, you're right. I said, let me grab a picture in case I never get to see him again. So we did that. Some days went on and two days before we were coming, getting ready to come back, we set up a time to, to meet each other. So we decided in one of the malls of Honduras, very beautiful mall, started talking. My uncle and my grandma weren't too happy about it. They felt resentment. They felt hurt because when I was young and my mom came to him and said, you know, this is your son. He didn't acknowledge me. He abandoned us. He, you know, rejected me. Um, so there was a lot of pain there. But I remember sitting down with him and we're talking. We talked for a few hours. We had lunch. We had pollo campero, some good chicken, especially from over there. You guys know. me this. He says, the only reason I agreed to meeting you because your grandma told me you were a Christian. He said, if she wouldn't have said that, I would have rejected the offer to meet you. He's like, I know I caused pain, but I wasn't sure what I was going to expect the moment you saw me. I was afraid you might hit me. You might attack me. And my brother Mario was not here told him the story. He's like, he's lucky I'm not there. I would have hit him for you. And it's true. He would have. He's a hothead. A softy, but a hothead. 
So we started talking, and I told him, yeah, you know, I came to Christ at the age of 15, 16. Uh, turns out he had accepted the Lord's years after. And the more I heard and knew about him, the more I got to know a little bit about myself. He told me he was a businessman. He owned a business. He told me he was a talker. He likes to socialize. Well, I wonder where I get that from, having two biological parents that love to talk and socialize. <laughs> Um, yeah, he told me, he, he knew his Bible. He spoke Bible to me. And like, actually, you know, like a, like a seasoned saint, as we say. He even told me he played guitar. I was like, you're, you're annoying me right now. <laughs> How is it that we've never met and you're playing the same instrument as me? And as I'm sitting there with Angie and, and I'm seeing him struggle to look into my eyes, so I'm having a conversation as if I'm like here with him. And he's looking at Angie the whole time. I'm telling him, we're talking, we're literally having a whole conversation. But he couldn't look me in the eyes. It was shame, it was regret. You saw it all. And he was very sensitive to the conversation, very, very humble about it. He understood he was in the wrong. And I decided to test his faith a bit. I said, Carlos, do you mind praying for us before we leave? And he prayed, and it was good. And I was annoyed that it was a good prayer. I haven't kept in touch with him since then, I'm gonna be honest with you. I haven't felt the need, the conviction to. But that day I found closure in knowing a bit about Carlos. Canales, which is his last name. And I remember that I had already forgiven him in my heart. Way, 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 way before I ever got to meet him in person. Because that's what the Lord does. Because only God can do that. Many of us here today have yet to surrender that forgiveness into God's hands. Many of us have been hurt by people like Carlos. Many of us have been hurt by people that have left us or wrongdoing us. God is calling us to forgive, church. But I was able to look at Carlos in the eyes and say, Carlos, I forgive you for what you've done. I forgive you for the times I was hurt. I forgive you for the times I blamed you for things. And we took a picture that day in the mall. Another one, a genuine smile. And if you could show that picture... If you're wondering how I look the way I do, my mom prayed very hard for me to look like her. <laughs> but Angie's like, you know, and I see something in you of him. And he's very dark. He's actually the darkest one in his family. He says everybody else has the light eyes and the, and the brown, blonde hair. He's like, so when I saw you, I knew you were mine. <laughs> I was like, thanks. <laughs> so I took this picture. And and this is where it gets me because it's like <laughs> this picture is something I'll be able to show my kids that there was, there was closure that I was able to get to meet my biological father that they'll have a face 
to a grandpa they'll never have. But in the moment that I apologized to him, I began the legacy of forgiveness for my family. And I'll tell my kids how their father changed a generation of brokenness through God. So if you're in this room today, fatherless, hurt, or you had a father, but he wasn't the best, you have a good, good father in heaven who loves you and welcomes you with open arms, one that will run to you even when you sin, even when you waste away and you're led by a prodigal heart. You need your father in heaven, church. And he loves you. He gave his one and only son to die for your sins to be restored and be welcomed back. Psalm 68.5 says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. If this is you this morning, this is your reminder to continue a legacy of forgiveness or to start it. Don't ever get in your way of not being able to forgive someone. You're, you're not better than God. And God forgave you and he's perfect. Thank you for listening to our podcast. One Life Christian Church is located in Baldwin, New York. To find out more about the church, visit us at www.onelifeli.com.